You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. So good to see you this morning. My name is Michael Evans. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Riverside. And if you're listening via podcast, I want to say hello to you also. We are in part six of a sermon series entitled Priority Mail. And we're looking at the book of Revelation, which if you're not familiar with the Bible, is the very last book in the Bible. And for a lot of people, the book of Revelation is very intimidating because it's filled with apocalyptic visions and prophetic announcements. And it can be confusing at times when you're reading about the beasts with like the chicken legs and like the dragon head breathing out clouds of fire and smoke. And it's like, what are we, what are we talking about here? So, but listen, it was also written as a congregational letter, which means that people just like us were sitting in a place or standing in a place and hearing these words being spoken. And these people would be able to understand it and they would be able to apply it to their lives right away. And the truth is that, yes, this text in this letter was written to churches years ago. But it was also written for us today. It was intended by God, our creator, that these words in this letter and the things within these letters would reach us today and that our lives might change as a result of hearing them. That we would receive direction and we would receive guidance and hope and strength in the midst of a hard time and purpose and all of these things. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. So I would encourage you to maybe grab a Bible or open up the live event or something of that nature so you can follow along with the text. I'll have some of it on the screen, but mostly not. So you might want to open up the Bible. And we've been looking at seven letters that were written to seven churches. And this is the church Sardis. And I find this particular letter, this is Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, a very inspiring kind of a letter. So if you leave today inspired, that's the goal, because it is an inspiring letter. It's also very helpful if you're new and you, and you aren't a Christian. Maybe you don't call on Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've even been coming to the church for a long time. I'm hoping that by the time you leave here today, that you will have a clear understanding of what it is that God has for his people, what this God is really about, this God of the Bible, what he offers people and what he wants for the, the human life or for the life of the follower of his. So I want to actually start by reading just these six verses in their entirety. And maybe you might follow along, but I would also just ask you, maybe you'll just sit, sit back and listen to this portion of letter here as I read it aloud. And then we're going to talk about it because I'm thankful to God for it. So I want to read it now. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They, walk, they will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says 
to the churches. Amen. This made me think of O.J. Simpson. I know that that's not typically what you would expect to hear on a Sunday morning. And actually didn't come in light of the recent news of the parole and all that things for, for O.J. But do I have any documentary lovers in here? Like if you like documentaries, like raise your hand. Because I am a big documentary buff. I love them. They're great. Um, those glasses nerd, you see. Okay. So in 2016, ESPN put out a documentary series on O.J. Simpson called O.J. Made in America. The thing was like 14 hours long. No, seriously, it was like over seven hours long. Multiple parts. And I found myself watching this documentary because I'm a sucker for documentaries that are nominated for Best Documentary for the Oscars. I, ha- I feel like I have to watch most of them. So I was watching this documentary of OJ, and I didn't really know a whole lot about OJ. I, I, I got the idea, but I didn't really know much about his life because maybe I'm young. I don't really know. But I was watching OJ Simpson, and he had a certain kind of reputation growing up, and it was good. He was a collegiate athlete who inspired so many, and he became this TV personality, and he kind of transcended racial barriers doing his things in TV and commercial and becoming like a spokesperson for advertising and all of these things. And then he became a huge public figure, and he was loved by many people in the high powers of society. OJ had it going on. He was very charismatic. People were drawn to him. He had a magnetism about him. His reputation was so solid before the people. But as you watch this documentary, you can't help but notice that OJ's reality didn't quite match his reputation. OJ, his reality was actually kind of dark. OJ was, was unsettled. OJ was craving something and desiring something. He had a huge lack in his life. His reality was lacking. His reality did not match his reputation. And when we look at this letter to the church at Sardis, we see a similarity between the church at Sardis and really a similarity between people and a problem that we have as people, where we want to be one way, but our reality is oftentimes different. And sometimes with the church, the problem is that we, like OJ, put on a, a kind of facade or we might replicate a kind of reputation, but in regards to our reality, we are lacking And this is what was happening with the church at Sardis. This is what it says in Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 says this. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I I know your deeds. You, you, You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. If you are here, and this is this is a letter to a church, so Christians. But this is a human problem. I think that we as people, we have this inward and innate desire to kind of make an impact on the world, right? No one wants to, at the end of their lives, be put in the ground or be cremated at the end of their life and someone look at that person or or us and say, wow, they made zero impact on this world. It's just not what we want. We want to be an impactful people. We want people to look at us and and, and to be known to have a certain kind of reputation. We want to be respected. We want to be meaningful and live meaningful lives and point our friends and family in directions of health and flourishing. 
But really, so many of us kind of can identify, not only with OJ, but can identify with the church at Sardis, amen, where sometimes we put up this kind of facade where we are replicating a kind of reputation that doesn't quite match our reality. And really, there are all kinds of different people as far as it pertains to reputation and reality and how they mesh together and work together. I have a list of them right here on this screen here. So we have the reputation is greater than our reality. And we're exhausted. Isn't it true? This is like the church at Sardis where before them, it seems before the people you are alive, but really you are dead. And it is exhausting. At the end of the day, man, everyone thinks I have it together and I'm making an impact, but when I go home and when I put my head down at the, on the pillow, my eyes stay open and I've got a million thoughts running through my head, I am unsettled. There's something lacking in my life. My reality is not matching my reputation. Everyone looks at me and they see health and flourishing and someone who's for other people and has got it together and is a solid rock in the midst of the turmoil and troubles of life. But my reality is really the complete opposite. That was the church at Sardis. You were seeming to be alive, but inwardly you are dead. And then there's the opposite of maybe you have Christ in your life that you call on Jesus as your Savior. And yet your reputation is so poor. Your reality of Jesus in your life and who he is and what he has for your life is so much greater than the life that you are living and the impact you are making and the day-to-day decisions that you follow through on. Your reality is actually greater than your reputation. And then, yet, there are others who might sit in here and be completely honest and say, you know what? I feel like I don't really have any kind of good reputation. And I really can be honest with you and say, I don't really have a good reality either. My reality is dark. My reality is bleak. My hope is minimal. My peace is non-existent and my reputation has followed suit. In fact, I, I need some kind of help and that's why I'm here in these walls this morning because God, he claims to have some kind of help for me. And if you come in here this morning and you're wondering what it is that God has for you, God, he, he wants your reputation to equal your reality and vice versa. He wants your reality to equal your reputation. That's what God has in store for his people. That's what God wants for his people. I think it's important on the onset to discuss what kind of God that we serve here. The God of the Bible, Yahweh. The God we we read about here in the scriptures and what he has for his followers. If you're here and you're wondering, what is it that God wants for me? Whether you've been a long-term Christian or whether you're here for the very first time. God, he wants the best reality, and he wants lives lived in the best reality with the best reputation. That's what God wants. God wants the lives lived in the best reality with the best reputation. What's the reputation God wants? I find this very satisfying as a person. Because like I said, we have these innate desires, don't we? We don't want to go coasting through life just waiting for heaven I think that's a danger as a Christian, isn't it? We're told that there's this grand heaven with Jesus, and it's easy to maybe fall into an escapist mentality. Oh, the world around me is so broken and so messed up. Oh, do I long for the day where I could leave this place? It is good to leave this place and to be reconnected with our Savior in heaven, but God's got work for you to do here and work for you to do now. 
God's got a reputation for you. God's not content in leaving you where you are. He wants to increase your reputation and he wants to increase your impact and my impact. That's what God wants for his followers. We preach it often in Matthew chapter five. Oh, I love this. What God has in store for his followers. What kind of reputation does God want for his followers? What kind of reputation does he want for his followers? Matthew chapter five, verses 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. What kind of reputation does God want for his people? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, for God's people, they need to let their light shine before others that they may see their good deeds and glorify their heaven, their, their father in heaven. What kind of reputation does God want for his people? He wants his people to be an agent to preserve holiness in a broken and dark world. When all around us we are filled and seeing and bumping shoulders with corruption and brokenness and darkness, he wants God's people not to fall in line, but to step out and to be goodness in the midst of the darkness, truthfulness in the midst of the lies, peace in the midst of the turmoil. God wants you as a follower of Jesus to be like a city built on a hill when people are filled with darkness and surrounded by darkness in the valleys and alleys of life. They might look at you and see your good deeds and say, is there something different? Is there another reality that is available than the one that I am experiencing that they might glorify God in heaven, that they might be led to light, true light, which is Jesus? Man, what a reputation. What a calling. What an impact that God wants for his followers. What a reputation. It meets this innate desire that I personally have as a person where I'm like, man, I don't want to just live for myself. I want to live for something greater, something beyond myself. And that's exactly what God wants for his followers. He wants them to preserve something godly in a broken world. He wants them to be light and darkness, leading others to life and life everlasting. There's no greater calling in the world. We run into this problem, I think, often of, of seeing God as this God who wants to kind of put a lid on my happiness or who wants to put a lid on my potential, who wants to kind of suppress me and what I truly want and what I need to embrace to flourish. No, no, no. God, God doesn't want to put a lid on your life. God wants to take the lid off of your life and to experience life and life to the full through him. The problem is, for us, sometimes that requires certain confinements. But our God is a God who wants to give to his children the things that would cause them to flourish and to prosper. Oh, he said the prosper word, the prosperity gospel. No, no, no. God might call you to drop everything you own and move to another country for the orphan and the widow. God might call you to stand out among the crowd when that might mean political death, when that might mean the death of your promotion, or it might mean the death of certain friendships. Oh, it can get very difficult 
but it is always good and always prosperous and always flourishing when you are following Jesus and, 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 and grabbing hold of the reputation he has for you. God, he wants to give good things to his children. I love the way it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Some of us need to hear this about our God this morning. If you then, though, are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants good things for you. Even though we might not see it right away or it may not make sense to us, God has truly got the best way for us and lined up when embracing it. He has before us a good reputation being built before him. So the question then becomes, okay, God, he, he wants the kind of life where the reality and the best reality matches the best reputation, and I am all for that. I'm gravitating toward that like a mosquito toward like the light, you know? I want that. But I experience like life like the, the church at Sardis, where my reputation, I'm fabricating it. I'm seeming alive, but I'm really dead. Or maybe I have this God, but my reputation is not really following. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I have neither a good reputation nor a good reality. How do I get to this place that God wants me to arrive at where I have a good and potent reality and I have a good and potent reputation? How do I get there? What did God say to the church at Sardis? Revelation 3, 2, this is so simple, isn't it? But man, is it potent. Wake up! <laughs> Wake up! Okay. It is amazing. If you read the scriptures, how many times the Bible says, hey, you people need to wake up. Like, wake up! If the scriptures are telling us and God designed it that we might receive these words of waking up, do you think we as people might have trouble falling asleep? That it's easy to fall asleep at the wheel. That it's easy for us to get into the humdrum nature of life where we're kind of doing what's natural to us as we walk, as we take step after step. We get into our routines. We're in the midst of the currents around us where it is so strong, so pervasive, and moving in one direction like the people around us, and we just kind of fall in line and we kind of sleepwalk, huh? Maybe you find yourself this morning in a state of sleepwalking. I've seen people sleepwalk, it's scary. There's not a lot of direction there. There's not a lot of reputation being built there. Not so good ones. I've seen sleepwalkers run into walls. <laughs> but maybe that's you this morning. You're feeling, man, I just sleepwalking. God, he says, you need to wake up. You need to see where you are. You need to identify where you are with your reality. Are you living with the best reality? Are you making and creating the best reputation through me? Or are you idly going through life? The powerful Christian life is the attentive life. A life that is awake, that is alert, that is honest about the areas where we are sleepwalking where our reputation could be so much grander had we followed the way of Jesus as opposed to following the ways of our culture or those around us. Jesus, he says, and God says to wake up. Identification is step one. When it comes to trying to get this life of we have the best reality and the best reputation, step number one is where am I? 
Am I living with the best reality? Am I living with the best reputation? Am I identifying a problem, a lack? What is it that God wants me to do? And maybe you've identified even right now that list of where you are. Man, there I am. I have this false reputation. My reality is lacking. My reality is solid in Jesus, but my reputation is lacking. I have neither a good reality nor a good reputation. God, he wants for me this powerful reality and a powerful reputation. And I've identified that I am in the lack. What am I to do? How am I to move forward? What encouragement is there? And there is encouragement this morning. It's an inspiring text. I love this text. I love that God, he doesn't leave us on our own, but God, he wants to direct our steps that we might embrace and find the life he has designed for us. Revelation 3, 2, this is what the writer says to the church, Christians. Strengthen what remains. Strengthen what remains. Strengthen the remaining, not the lacking. Strengthen the remaining and not the lacking. How many of us get fixated on the things that we do not have? The truth is where our attention lies and where our focus lies, that's what gets strengthened. What has our attention this morning? Who or what has our attention or who or what has our focus? Because the thing that gets the focus and the attention, the thing or the who that gets the attention or the focus, that's the thing that gets strengthened. And maybe you keep focusing or I keep focusing on the things that we do not have. If only I had more money. I focus, that's got my attention. And now what am I willing to do? What does my reputation reality look like in result of me focusing and my attention being fixated on getting money? Oh, then those underneath me are just pawns that I can step on to progress forward in receiving the money that I so crave and so desire. What is our attention and where is it going? Where is our focus? What's getting strengthened? Is it a desire to please others and to seek affirmation of every single person in our lives, regardless of whether they want the best for you or the worst for you? Like going to the gym. If I just went to the gym and I went to the old tricep machine and I just never worked out any other mess. That's how you do it, right? Okay. My triceps... They would be big, I look weird, nothing else is being developed, and I am lacking. <laughs> What's being worked out in your life? Is it the thing that's going to give you the best reality and the best reputation, or is it the thing that is lacking? Because if it is anything other than God that you are working out in your life, then it is lacking. You will find at the end of your life you had pursued all of these avenues only to hit a dead-end wall. And at the end of your life, we will sit back and think, man, where is my reputation? What has been my reality? For the Christian life, there is nothing but hope. Because the writer of the scripture says this, strengthen what remains. If, there's a, if you're a Christian here in this room and you find yourself in a bleak situation in regards to your reputation, there is something that remains. There's something that maybe you forgot about. Maybe your attention has wandered. 
And really what needs to happen is a strengthening of what remains in your life as a Christian. Maybe it's been placed to the dark corner of your consciousness or your life or your heart where it's there, but the light is it's, it's flickering. But if you ignore it any longer, it might go out. What is it that remains? And what remained for the church at Sardis? And what does the writer of the scripture say to the church at Sardis? What is it that God wants for us this morning for that which remains? It all comes down to reality. What is my reality? What is my reality? Because we can't get the good reputation. We can fabricate a good reputation without a good reality. But to get the authentic and the most impactful and the most powerful reputation, we need to have a solid reality. And the question is, what is my reality? Where is my attention? Where is my focus? Where should it be? If I've lost it and I am finding my reputation diminishing, where does God want my attention, my focus to be? What is my reality? What should my reality be? This is what the writer says to the church at Sardis and what God has for us this morning. Oh, it is powerful. Revelation 3, verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. Church, you have received something that you may have forgotten about. Maybe this thing that you have received, this thing that you have heard, has fallen to the wayside in your life and of your gaze, but you need to bring your gaze back to the thing that you received and that you heard. And it is so important, church, because it is so important, in fact, that if you are not pursuing this thing, if you are not remembering and attaching your attention and focus to this thing which you have received and heard, if you are not holding that fully every day, you need to repent. Meaning, if you are going any other way but to that thing that you have received and heard, you need to turn away from the thing that is grabbing your attention and focus, and you need to turn toward that thing which you have received and heard. This is so crucial, so important, that if you are not attached to and tethered to that thing which you have received and heard, church, you need to repent Turn away and run fast toward that thing which you have received and heard. Because that thing which you have received and heard, oh, it'll make all the difference in your life if you give him your all. Your reality will change. Your reputation can change. What is the thing that they received and they heard? It seems that the power, the secret sauce, the equation is answered in the thing that they had received and they had heard. The thing they had received and the thing that they had heard was displayed at the very beginning. We already read it. <laughs> at the very beginning of the letter and to the church at Sardis, verse 1, chapter 3 is the answer to the reality equals reputation and how do I live that kind of a life answer? The answer lies in this. The church at Sardis and what the Christian has received and heard. These are the words. This is how the letter starts. This is the answer. These are the words of him who holds 
the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Oh, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. That's what you received and heard. You received and you heard a message about this one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Who is this? It's Jesus. You received Jesus. You got to remember Jesus. If you find yourself in a lack of a best reality, you need to remember Jesus. If you find yourself and your reputation is lacking, you need to not fabricate this reputation, but you need to get back to Jesus and remember him. You need to hold fast his name, the name of Jesus. And if there is anything else that you are holding and holding fully, whether that be a person, a position, a material, a substance, a mindset, you need to repent, church. You need to look away from that very thing and turn toward Jesus. Why? Because he holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. What does that mean? What does that mean? I like that, but I don't know what that means. (laughs) Seven means completeness in the book of Revelation. Fullness, completeness, lacking nothing is a complete number, the number of completion. God holds the seven spirits of God. Jesus holds the seven spirits of God, which means in one hand, Jesus, represented here in the text, is holding the Holy Spirit of God. God himself, God the Holy Spirit, the one and the means by which the best reputation is gained because from the Holy Spirit flows power. Holy Spirit flows the ability to live out the life and the reputation that we as people were designed to live in relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is the means by which we make the greatest impact in this world, the impact we are designed and destined and desiring to live. He's the one, the Holy Spirit, who convicts us to help us to see clearly, to wake up. The Holy Spirit is the linchpin in the productive Christian life, living the life that the person was designed to live in God. That's what Jesus holds in one hand. The seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit in all his fullness, in all of his splendor, in all of his power available, the means by which we live the greatest reputation. That's what Jesus holds in one hand. But he also holds the seven stars, meaning he holds the full authority of the church, and those in leadership, and in turn, the church as a whole. That's the reality for the Christian life. That there's this Jesus who holds the church in his hand fully in control. Safe. Regardless of what the world throws at. Regardless of what circumstances befall them. Jesus, he holds the seven stars. He holds the church in his hand in all fullness. In one hand, Jesus, he holds the Holy Spirit, the means to the greatest reputation. And in the other hand is the greatest reality that he holds, that he holds the church, all leadership of the church and the church as a whole in his hands. And what is it that Jesus has done? What is it that Jesus has done for the life that is yearning the best reality with the best reputation? What is it that Jesus has done? He holds these two things in his hands. But on our own, There we exist without the best reputation and without the best reality. And Jesus took those hands and he nailed them to a cross. 
and he died the deaths that we were to die as people. That on our own, we are left to experience nothing but death, but life without the best reality and without the best reputation. Jesus, he took those hands and he nailed them to the cross and he died for our sins, our brokenness, our tendency to wander from the ways that we ought to go to, wandering from God who loves us, the God who has designed the best for us. Jesus, he died for our sins and yet death could not hold him down. Three days later, Jesus, he rose from the dead and he ascended into the heavenly places that when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, oh, in our lives, Jesus' hands, they come together for us. That we can exist in the best reality, with the best reputation. That when we call on the name of Jesus, those two very hands that hold the fullness of the Holy Spirit and his power to live the best life that you were designed to live. Not always easy. (laughs) Scary, unpredictable. Who knows where I'm going? Who knows who I will lose along the way? That Holy Spirit power in one hand And he holds you in his other hand and he wants to wrap those hands around you and hold you tightly that you might live the best reality with the best reputation. That's just what Jesus does. He tethers reality and reputation. He holds them together. If you find yourself here discontent as a human being, your answer lies not into the next promotion or the next relationship or the next fix, but it lies in the name of Jesus. It's worth giving a shot because the burden of proof is on Jesus. Give your trust and your faith to Jesus because Jesus is the one who tethers reality and reputation. I want to invite the worship team to come up this morning. Here's the simple thing, church. God has got something designed for this church, Riverside Community Church. And if you're here visiting from another church, God has got a design and a plan for you. I believe every person in here who has called on the name of Jesus or not, God wants to do something miraculous with your life. He wants you to have an amazing reality and he wants you to have a great reputation, a reputation in a broken world, unmatched, pointing others to life and life everlasting, being light in the darkness, salt, in an otherwise flavorless world, how appealing it is. And the call to the church at Sardis is the same call we have as a church, which is this, live the reality equals reputation life. You gotta live that life. You cannot settle for less than that life. God has designed too much for his church. God wants you to walk with him in every area of your life and of my life because the best reality and the best reputation comes in that submission to God in every area of our lives. And there is a great reward at the end of it all. You can experience life and life everlasting. Life with God on this earth is almost just good enough. I gotta be honest with you. As a follower of Jesus, I'm going to be completely honest with you and say, even if there was no heaven, I would still follow Jesus on this life because he has what's best in store for me. And I have found it to be true day in and day out following him, even when I don't understand why. And this is what Jesus says to those who follow through on living the life that is living the best reality and the best reputation. This is how... The writer of the scripture kind of caps off all of this letter. 
This is what he says. Yet you have a few people in Sardis. And when I was reading this text, I thought about myself. And I would encourage you to think about yourself. Could it be said of you, yet you have Mike. Yet you have Paul. Yet you have Matt. (laughs) Yet you have Will. (laughs) In Sardis, who have not soiled their clothes, they will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want to be known before my God in heaven when I see him. I yearn for the day where I can look Jesus in the eye and he says, well done, my good and faithful service. You lived a life well lived. The best reality with the best reputation, even if the whole world turned their back on you, your reputation before me was spotless. Oh, I yearn for it, church. I desire it, I pray for it, and I need the Spirit's power to do it. The question this morning is this, what is your reality? And what is your reputation? The reality God wants for every person is a relationship with Jesus that he might hold you in his hand. That you might experience life with him on this earth in relationship with him. And you come to that reality when you submit to him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus, I recognize that I am on my own destined and deserving of death. But Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. I recognize that you died on the cross for me. And that death could not hold you down. But three days later, you rose from the grave. And Jesus, I'm putting my trust and I'm putting my faith and hope in you. Would you direct my life? I am yours. Save me. What is your reality and what is your reputation, church? Our reputation ought to be the city on a hill. What is our reputation at work? What is our reputation in the midst of our families? When turmoil starts coming or arguments start lifting, what is our reputation? What is our reputation in the community? Does the church know us in Cambodia? Does the church know us in Africa? Does the church know us all across the world because we are in this together? What is our reputation? Jesus has designed for us to live the best reality with the best reputation. And what is our reality and what is our reputation? We ought to embrace the best. As we prepare to respond in worship this morning and crying out to God, I would encourage you, church, regardless of where you find yourself, strengthen what remains. Put your stock and your trust in Jesus and submit to him in all of your ways. Go to his word with a hunger and a yearning to be directed by him and may the Holy Spirit guide you and may the Holy Spirit empower you and encourage you as you take each step in obedience to him. Live the reality equals reputation life. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us as a church and every person in this room to grab a hold of you. The best reality in relationship with you and the best reputation that comes from following you. Jesus, I pray you would help us in the midst 
of our sleepwalking. Help us to wake up, Holy Spirit. Give us the power to follow through on our heart's desire to follow you, Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would encourage us every step of the way. Convict us and help us and move us this morning that we might not be the same, but that we might live the reality equals reputation life. All to the glory of your name, the greatest name the world will ever hear, the name of Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www dot riversideconnect dot org